Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Dan Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by Andrea Hansen, John Gleason Teske, and Tony Bennell of Klingon Christmas Carol at Edge Theater. Hello yeah. and welcome. Hey, hi. We've got the spotted cow going, the McDonald's going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a chill as fuck. It's a banner night. Banner Hashtag, night. Banner Hashtag night. rehearsal foods. Yup, yup. Um so where you uh talk um, where do you want to start? Um well first <laughs> at the beginning. Of, at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. How old are you all? When were you born? <laughs> All that beginning. What? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, um, how's rehearsals going for Klingon? <laughs> They're going really, really well, yeah? quite frankly. Um, this is the second year that Edge of Orion has done the show. And, um, you know, last year we started off kind of rough and tumble. Everybody has a group because other than Comedia Barregard, who brought the, the original show with them from Minneapolis, um, nobody in the show had ever done the show before. So we were struggling as a company with um, language difficulties, with uh, you know figuring out the nuances of um, grammar and acting at the same time. Um, and then just coming together as a cast and you know the, the typical like rehearsal struggles. Um, but this year we have most of the same cast, cool. so, which is really nice. We have five newcomers who have been fantastic. Um, they've really just seamlessly inserted themselves into, um, into the cast. So at this point, I think it's pretty safe to say that we are even farther along than where we were at this same time last year. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, talking to the, uh, the frequent director from Beauregard, who is also the author, uh, Christopher Cato Mastrom, uh, he would frequently tell me as I was preparing to do the, direct the show last year, uh, this is going to be the most difficult show that any of your cast has ever done, especially if they don't, if they're not uh, somebody who's done the show before. And nobody had done the show before. No. no like, nobody had spoken in Klingon before except for maybe... Uh, Allie, who had that Michael Dorn tape from the, you know, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of them hadn't seen Star Trek before, any any Star Trek. And so, like, we had those difficulties. Um, and now now I think everybody's in this place where, oh, and, and, so, and all of those things were scary. That was, sure. that was the daunting part. Um, it, and I think we came in this year being more prepared, but also going, oh, Great. This is, we can learn a completely different language and tell a story in it and uh, and make audiences cry with Klingon makeup, like and <laughs> and they did. They cried last year. I, my my hand to God. They cried in the audience during for Tiny Tim for Tim Home, and I just uh, like and uh, and that's all I need out of theater, really, right? Like yeah, just practice enough to make people cry. Right. That's all it is. So <laughs> so uh, what is the what is the origin of this play? Like how long has it been around? Um, I know that it's kind of like a milestone of theater. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear about that. Uh, it uh, was originally uh, sort of a, a, uh, a fundraiser event. Like you'll see if things around town of like, oh, we're just going to put these two things together. Um, the idea was take a really easy play that everyone has seen and everyone knows, a story that everyone's super familiar with, um, and connect it in a completely different language. So that you may not know the language, but you can still connect with the story. And they put on a little show of it for a small group of people for a fun fundraiser type event. Um, and it worked so very well. And they kept doing it and kept adding on to it um, in Minneapolis uh, when uh, a lot of the people came to Chicago and started a company here and grew in the Chicago theater scene. It's just been one of Chicago's favorite shows for a long, long time. Um, one of the uh, the uber nerd Klingon community's favorite shows for a long, long time. Uh, it's the first uh, play completely written in the Klingon language, mm-hmm. uh, and so people have like immediately once we announced it, I had like Facebook requests from fifty-year-old dudes in California who are like, "My Klingon attack group is coming to see this show." Um, <laughs> I want you to know. You think that's a joke, but it's not. No, I know. No, trust me, I believe you. (laughs) It's it's real. (laughs) 
and <laughs> they show up and it's and they love it they adore it this is this is like if you had a special skill and a special interest and one person in the world was doing your thing and you're gonna travel cross country and show up and like rip your heart out for yeah, it like absolutely and they they are 100 percent on board and uh and i think that that's given us life about how much people love the show yeah <laughs> uh i've been telling them this is not a joke show like there are joke shows they're like, let's take this Shakespeare play and this like uh, '90s cartoon show and mash them up and make a bunch of jokes and like it's an hour long. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I know actually lots of people who do that very well. Shout out to New Millennium Theater Company. Um, <laughs> you guys are great. These are really hilarious. Um, but this is this is sort of meant to be a really earnest, really honest Christmas Carol with, you know, a bunch of Star Trek makeup and batlets and stuff. <laughs> so. so I'm wondering, I, I know that Klingon is notoriously, like, very guttural and that, like, within the world of the show, the Klingon people are, like, very, like, war and violence focused. And am I, am I right about that? You're not wrong. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a Trekkie, but this is what I have gleaned. Um... <laughs> So I'm I'm wondering with such like an earnest show about like true like redemption and like et, you know people seeing the good and the worst of people how um how has like finding the truth in the show been with such like an intense culture behind it it's not easy. It is not <laughs> easy at all. Um, I can tell you it's it's still, I mean, it's still something that I, I mean, I still think about every rehearsal, every day, and I can, I, I can only hope that I can get to where it needs to go, which, but, um, yeah, so it, it's a very daunting task for me, actually, because it is such such a, 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 a um, I'm stumbling over my words already. I'm sorry, um, but there are such there's such a fan base, and it is such almost religion like. I don't want to use you know, <laughs> but it, the people are intense about it. So I want to try to do somewhat good for them, and but yeah, finding the redemption and. and it's tough. Like, I, 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 I just don't even know how to explain it. Like, yeah. it, it's so difficult to portray that and find the right little nuances that you want to show and be true to the text, the history of the whole um, Klingon lineage. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the one of the things that uh, Tony and I have been talking about um, over many, many, many beers um, <laughs> many. Um, is... is how in, in the Dickens work, it's about uh, uh, a guy who has amasses a whole bunch of money and doesn't spend it on anybody and doesn't help anybody. And there are poor people starving, but he has a lot of money and does nothing. Um, and like in a warrior culture, that's not, you know, if, if everybody is there to, you know, it's, it's very much... Uh, 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 Mad Max, I, you know, witness me, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, she'll write again. Um, but, but like, honestly, everybody's going to write again in Stovacor. They, everybody, you know, the he Klingon heaven is going to Stovacor and fighting in, on the Black Fleet, like continuing to be at war and fighting. Not and, unlike Valhalla. Not unlike, like, yeah. if, we're, if we're, if we're drawing parallels, Klingons yeah. are pretty much space Vikings. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. that idea of consistent good deeds, good things like that, that that's, yeah. Right. Which, which and and I think and one of the things that we we worked on a little bit is like, oh, these aren't like space people who stab people, and that's good. Stabbing is good, and you know, like that's that's a really simplistic view. It's uh, it's it's fighting and engaging and and connecting with other people sometimes with your fist on their face, but like the connection, like it is really important. And uh, and one of the things we've been working on is much like in the Dickens text is having Scrooge not connect with other people, um, not engage, not punch other people, or, you know, refuse to punch other, refuse to even get punched, like, doesn't even want to be a part of that, doesn't want to be a part of anybody else's lives, uh, and other people suffer because of it, um, and he suffers because of it, um, and, uh, and that's kind of the journey, the arc, is, is finding a way to, uh, have your life and connect to other people, even if you're not, like, 
you know, Sylvester Stallone, you know, Expendables, Superman, yeah. Rambo, Warrior. So while there is some redemption in there, it's it's most, I would say, it's safe to say it's mostly about finding the connections. It's, it's about finding a way within the culture um, while staying faithful to yourself. I mean, mm. Scrooge is... He, I mean, he's been living his life. He's an old man at this point, and there are no old Klingons, so it's it's fitting an old Klingon into the current culture while still, you know, sticking to himself. Well, that's something that's really interesting to me about just kind of hearing you about talking about and thinking about kind of like, like Trekkiedom has very much been a, a thing that folks have, have thought about and, and kind of thought about as a fandom. And I think one of the things that really sets it apart from other kind of fandoms is that there is this entire culture that's been made and there is a language developed. I mean, like, you have shows and, and um, fictional works where uh, maybe someone's created, like, a few pieces of language of another language, but there, is, like, the extent to which Klingon has been developed is, like, so... You know, I mean, I mean you'll, y'all know probably much better than I do. And so kind of from a, from a linguistic standpoint... Um, I'm both really curious, um, you know, kind of what are some of the testaments to you of how far that cultural development has, and also when working with, um, when working with something that is so ingrained in our culture, like, like Christmas culture, like a Christmas carol is so, I mean, like Maureen, you and I were talking about this a lot. We saw a Christmas carol together last year. We have plans to see it this year. A lot of folks do that. Um, it's very much a part of that Americana, well, not Americana, but because it's, it's obviously British, but what, you know what like, my point is? <laughs> Western culture. Western right. Culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so I'm kind of curious balancing that with something that is so rich, but fictional. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's again, a very difficult thing to do, I think, for me, because, yeah, I mean, Christmas Carol, like you said, is just so well-known. Everybody sees it every year. Um, but we've always said, like, this is our, our pitch to it. Like, it's not, we have our own little spin to it. It's not, it's not just a Christmas Carol right. with the Klingon language. It's loosely based off of the story of Christmas Carol. It's got the same ideas, it's got the same thing, but it's it's totally revamped into the Klingon way of life. Yeah. So it, it's seen from a different point of view, almost. There's a book that's called The Klingon Way um, that, it, I know, it, it's, it sounds fantastic, um, yeah. but it is, it is just a book of Klingon maxims. So you have... I mean, it's it's like the Tao. It, it has things that Klingons live their life by, you know, what to do in a situation uh, if an enemy is behind you and threatening to attack you, what to do if you are faced with uh, triples, you know, mm -hmm. the little furry things from the original series, um, how to handle matters of honor and death. And, you know, it's it, the script itself, spoiler alert, um, is full of these maxims. So mm -hmm. the the way I see it is that Every culture, not just Western culture, um, has a tradition of um, the longest night. So, like, whether it's, you know, uh, Christmas, you know, as we celebrate it in America or, you know, Christian societies, or, um, you know, in, in pagan rituals, they have um, their their long night in the midwinter. The, the solstice, sorry, I couldn't No, remember. yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it's, it's not just a, a Western culture thing. There are cultures all around the world that focus on that long night where anything can happen and you have to stick close to the ones that you love and then the dawn comes and everything resolves itself or you've, you've maybe discovered something new about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so fitting Klingon into that, um, especially since there are so many maxims that cover cultural importance, uh, cultural important, oh my God, culturally important aspects. For sure. <laughs> um, it, it's a challenge because it's a challenge to try and fit it into our understanding of Christmas Carol, yes. But, it I mean, it, it takes its own culturally significant things and, and is able to broadcast it to everybody else. Um, you know, if I, I think if we were to find some sort of alien culture out there, I would bet that they had something similar 
to what we ha what we have as you know Christmas or solstice or you know whatever that sort of thing. Well, I'm really curious, um, and I, you know I don't like to always start bringing out like oh well we're opera people, but I think it's an interesting <laughs> thing um, when you think about uh, I mean like having extensive linguistic thinking patterns mm -hmm. and kind of starting to really think about how language and culture really um, kind of coincide. And so I'm kind of curious from your perspective as you've now you've had this is your second year doing this. So mm -hmm. getting to kind of like work through linguistic things, are there any kind of um, nuances that you've that you've been gleaning or are you asking like from my perspective as an opera singer or like just in general? <laughs> well, I just I, I, I want to yeah. clarify. No, no, for sure. I just think it's super interesting kind of like um Are you asking like what has carried over? Yeah. So like what have you like brought like what has you your experience in delving in like emoting in other languages that aren't necessarily your own? Uh, how okay. have you carried that over into portraying your character in a completely unrecognizable, not unrecognizable, obviously, but... In a foreign language, basically. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, that's a really good question, actually. Um, part of what's really good about the Klingon language is that it starts and ends in consonants. You will never find a word in Klingon that starts on a vowel. There, you know, you have the regular... I wish I had all my Klingon language stuff and I could show you. Um, but generally, it'll start with some form of glottal or consonant-based character. Um, and frankly, that is really expressive. Um, you know, fitting the vowels. I mean, the vowels are very specific and they're very Italian at vowels, you know, o, u, ah, that sort of thing. There's not really anything weird as far as vowels go, but using the consonants to, to shape um, emotions is incredibly helpful. And like you said, it is a guttural language. I've compared it to um, really aggressive Russian mm. in its comparison. Um, but the consonants really help to express um, all the other emotions. So that has really car carried over from um, from opera, I suppose. Um, you know, we, we use consonants a lot to... I mean, we're very... We're an art form that's very heavily involved with vowels, obviously, right. because of quality of sound, but the consonants are what we wait for at the end of those vowels. And so you wait for how that person's going to end that vowel. It's like, oh, okay, that's the emotion that we're carrying over from that. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's pretty similar in Klingon. Um, I'll tell yes. you, from a, from a, a casting standpoint, uh, I, I asked everybody to come in uh, with something, if they could, something that wasn't in... Uh, modern English um, and you know I, it was less of a do a monologue in a different language it was a if you if you um, one of our cast members had uh, uh, a the Jabberwocky in German that they memorized mm. from high school like back in the day what the, um, German? so cool yeah, yeah ask Aaron to do it it's phenomenal oh, um, <laughs> um, but like sense. but it's the kind of like coming into you know uh, I had some you know uh, this Italian woman tell me a joke <laughs> like we had a whole bunch of we had somebody come in and like do a do a high Valerian Daenerys Targaryen monologue. Oh, you know, like yeah. um, and and so it was coming in and doing uh, doing something like that. I was looking for. Can you tell me a story um, using language that I don't know word for word? And uh, Andrea came in, um, and I, I believe you just did um did did a song. In yeah, Italian. I I took um, Rachmaninoff's Arion art song um, and just monologued it. And, cool, um, and it was phenomenal. Like I was like, oh well, her, she's on the, she's in the cast. Um, like, <laughs> this is clear because I, I don't, I had no idea what she was saying, and I was there, I was yeah. wrapped. Um, and what and, a cheat sheet. <laughs> I know, right? I, I was thinking that I was like, this really isn't fair because yeah. I've got all these languages in my back pocket. You know? yeah. I may not speak all of them, but at least I have them, you know. But also, but so not only is the skill set a beautiful skill set for for Klingon, you know, or other language plays, uh, but also in universe, um, the the primary form of entertainment that isn't strictly violence uh, for the Klingon culture, the thing that they like to do is Klingon opera. That's a real thing. Really? Yeah. It uh, because it because their their whole culture is like I'm going to do these big you know I'm gonna express through the language and the emotions and the you know just just pure beautiful emotion and yeah. you know running <laughs> and they 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 get into large groups and it's kind of like group storytelling when you see it on the show but like it's it's big it's it's such heightened 
everything and it's mm. such such pure expression um and you know klingon poetry klingon <laughs> opera yeah. they did produce a klingon opera uh it's uh it's very unusual it's not my favorite thing it's um. <laughs> i've i've listened to bits and pieces of it because obviously i'm very fascinated by it um, oh, right. as an opera person and as a performer um and the I mean, it's not like Western opera at all. It was produced and created by by a company in the Netherlands, so there is some Western influence in there. But sure. it's very much. I mean, it's almost like um, a lot of herbal influence. No, no. It's, I mean, it's solid, but it's like it's it's very primal. Um, listening to it, it's. It's a lot of chant. It's a lot of like call and response type stuff. Mm. Um, the best way that I've been able to compare it to you, I, I live in comparisons because sometimes things like this, I'm just like, I have no idea how to process this. So I'm just going to draw a comparison. Um, did y'all ever take m world music or anything like that in, uh, in undergrad? Musicology or yeah, ethnomusicology? I mean, we, we took like, we didn't, I, I went to like a really like straight laced, I went to Peabody oh, okay. in Baltimore. And so like, so not so much. No. <laughs> I can tell you a lot about like Renaissance, like Western Renaissance sure, music. Yeah. I know very little about non-Western music. Okay. Um, my music history professor in uh, undergrad was also an ethnomusicologist. Cool. Um, who had, she was from Russia. She'd studied in St. Petersburg and all this other stuff. Um, so we, our school offered a unit in world music and we listened to uh, Serbian and Balkan um, music at one point. And... Uh, a lot of it is like group, um, kind of like group songs, group chants, and a very strident, uh, not operatic tone at all. And mm -hmm. that was the closest thing that I could compare it to. Um, I wish that I could pull up a clip and, and play it for you, but it's, uh, it's, it's not opera, but, <laughs> it, but it shouldn't be, but it shouldn't be, it yeah. should be out of this world, strident, calling fearsome voices, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, wow. I would be surprised if a Klingon opera was, like, melodic. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it's not, like, I mean, it's it's not what we would consider in Western music to be melodic. Okay. Um, or, I mean, maybe it would be, but, like, it's it's not it's not opera melodic. It's, okay, okay. It's contemporary, because it's only, like, 10, 15, maybe, years old. It's very new. Cool. So there is a lot of contemporary influences, but there's also a lot of, um, um, you know, world music influences. There's a lot of drums. A lot, again, it's very primal. I listened to it, and I could actually feel my heart start to beat faster like every my blood was boiling i was like i want to like destroy something right now in the best possible way i mean it's incredible music and i can see why there are people out there who are like mm, i don't know about this but mm -hmm. as, as somebody who's appreciated music in different genres i was just like i must do this i want to go to there i mean it's it's incredible mm -hmm. if, if you ever like pull it up on youtube it's uh apostrophe u apostrophe it's pronounced ooh, and it's it it blew my mind so really yeah. interesting that's really, really interesting. cool yeah um so i know that i'm catching you right as you're opening a beer but i but um since you are scrooge um i do like scrooge is such like like such a he's just, iconic yeah that's what i was i was gonna say well known but that didn't do it justice it's he's an iconic character yes. and i'm always interested when i talk to people who play like iconic characters you know like when women play cleopatra or we had a woman on who was portraying joan of arc and mm -hmm. so i always um i'm always interested in how folks um handle portraying characters that are larger than life that like their that their personas are, are almost not human in in how um in how big they are yeah um this was a, it's it's a very intimidating role to take on uh, but yeah this is uh, again my second year as well um and i always refer back to like like last year when i talked to john um the very first time like because yeah, it, Scrooge is, is like you said, iconic and such a great, and he's he's always been one of my dream roles to play, and I've always wanted to do that. And then so, 
you know, I auditioned and I was just like, I really, really love to do it. And then John, he's just like, yeah, you got the role, you're Scrooge. So the first thing, you know, everything I went through, I was like, oh my God, yes, I finally get to play the role I want. And then secondly, it was just like, it's in a different language. Oh shit. <laughs> Third, it's really not like any other Scrooge out there. So like, he is a very, I mean, essentially, yes, it's the same type, but still, like I said, like, it's so also very different mm. Scrooge. So everything I had in my mind and everything I'd built up, I couldn't use any of that. <laughs> yeah. I had to start completely from scratch because it's it, it is a very different mindset. It's a different end goal and, and journey he goes through. There's a lot of same points. There's a lot of similarities, yes, but it's still so very different. So in a way, it was scary as shit because I could I couldn't use anything that I that I had previously thought I could ever use for the because I you know obviously I built this up in my mind I'm like when I play Scrooge if I ever get this role this is what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna do this and then I was like I can't I can't use any of that <laughs> this is a completely different character he he has different goals he has different motivations than your normal Scrooge. But yeah, so we'll like talk I, a little bit about like I don't want to like spoil anything for anybody who wants to come and see it. Yeah, but especially as somebody who's come back to the show for a second year, um, I'm really fascinated by how you've changed the character so much from the first year. Can you talk a little bit about like what choices or motivations maybe you were thinking about for this year? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I'll try to do that without spoiling without spoiling. So yeah, much, <laughs> you know, um, that's gonna I'm gonna tap dance around this. But um, but yeah, especially last year um, because we were so bogged down with the language mm -hmm. and, and so concerned with that that I felt like I didn't get to work a lot as much as I wanted to on character. So it was very kind of generic, you know, cookie cutter Scrooge, you know, uh, in that respect. But that is a thing this year that is been really awesome is because I don't have to well I I have to but <laughs> I feel like I at least <laughs> um, but I feel like I have you know I'm at least one step up from last year starting out you know because I learned wise? Uh, uh, about uh, about language wise because yeah. I was starting completely from scratch right. I didn't know one word of Klingon mm. and now like this year I'm starting out knowing about two words of Klingon mm. as well. <laughs> you, you, uh, you know five words I know okay I know five I've got myself <laughs> short no but um, so I don't it, 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 I'm getting sidetracked I'm sorry um, I lost my train of thought motivations motivations, motivations. see Whew, it's been a long day um, so this year I get to play a lot more with motivations and, and where I'm going. So I've been trying to break away from that whole like, oh, Scrooge is an asshole, so nobody likes him. That's the whole that you know. That's the big through line with a lot of Scrooge. Like everybody knows it. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. So he's like, oh, he's an asshole, and then at the end, he's a good guy and everybody loves him. Um, I think there's way more to him than that. So I've been trying to play that, and, and like I said, of course with ours it's, it's a little bit different, obviously, um, because in the beginning Scrooge has not been a warrior. He didn't pass his right of ascension, so he's kind of skirted that whole thing, and that's the whole conflict of the whole, uh, you know, the show, not the whole conflict, but it's one of the, the conflicts of the show is, is that, well, he doesn't fight, he needs to prove himself as a warrior, and kind of my motivation has been in the beginning, well, there's more than one way to help the Empire. You don't have to be a warrior on the front lines to keep the Empire running. Hmm. You know, there has to be people that stay back and run the businesses and you have to have money to, right. you know, and so that's why I see, you know, I initially I don't buy into their whole, like, you have to fight or you're worthless. So that's where I've been trying to work that in. It's like, you know, hey, you know, they see me as a weakling, but I'm like, no, I'm, I, I do good things for the Empire. You just don't think they're worthy. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, especially in our early discussions with it, like both me and Tony individually and Tony with the group of like, so why is Scrooge a bad guy? Why is Scrooge a bad guy? And they're like, well, because he, he doesn't fight, so he's a bad Klingon. I'm like, oh, so he doesn't randomly punch people in the face and stab them and like hope that he dies some sort of martyr death and that makes him a bad guy? Maybe, maybe Klingon Scrooge is the better guy. Maybe Klingon Scrooge is better than everybody else. Um, <laughs> maybe he's right and this is actually a tragedy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it gets way deeper that we, we yeah. move past that. But that was, but on the surface, if that's all you're thinking, you know, warrior cultures are and all you're thinking Scrooge is, Scrooge is mean. Uh, but if Scrooge is mean because he doesn't want to stab people, then what? It gets nuanced. Yeah. Ooh, and then there's so saucy. much more sprinkled in, so you'll yeah. have to come see the show to yeah. see what happens. <laughs> Um, I'm also curious, so you're playing, Andrea, you're playing Mrs. Cratchit? Yes. Um, I'm wondering about the, a woman's role in Klingon culture. That is a really interesting, uh, a really interesting area. Um. Ah, silence. It's, I, it's trying trying to think of, of how to portray it because um, I've I've only been able to scratch the surface of it, and I don't want to broad paint an entire culture as patriarchal and right. dumping, but but um, you know, women fight alongside men in the ships and at war and, and all these other things. There there is an expectation again. Klingon Vikings, there are shield maidens. There are women who go out and they go with the men to fight. Um, but I do remember having discussions with um, our Klingon expert who came in and coached with us. Once, once a woman is mated or has decided to marry or whatever, they don't go out anymore. They stay home and they take care of the house. Um, so you see that with some of the characters like trying to struggle with their newfound Well, maybe not newfound, especially for Mrs. Cratchit because she's got kids and stuff. So it's a, a familiar role by that point. Um, but there, you know, there's the love interest of young Scrooge who wants him to come with her, you know, please come and fight with me. We'll, we'll have glorious battles. We'll do all these things. Um, and then you have oh, someone. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, that's mm -hmm. such a cool take. Yeah. <laughs> but it's at the same time, cool. yeah. And at the same time, you have someone like Mrs. Cratchit, who has also found a new role within the empire of protecting her home, protecting her children. You know, she's got her tiny Tim. She's got uh, Tim home is what his name is. Um, you know, she has to take care of her son who is very sick, but still desperately wants to be a warrior. So she has to nurture that. Um, so last year I, I struggled a little bit, um, just right off the bat, I, I don't agree with the idea that Mrs. Cratchit is a nag. I know that she gets portrayed as that, um, in a lot of productions, you know, it, even, I love Miss Piggy. I think we all love Miss Piggy, but even in <laughs> Muppet Christmas Carol, it's a little bit of like, Cratchit, why don't you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And I don't, I don't subscribe to that interpretation of Mrs. Cratchit. I think she's very concerned with the well-being of her family and, mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to make the best of situations that she knows are out of her control. Her son may never get better. Um, her husband may never be able to elevate their status, something like that. And as someone that came from a position of uh, warriorship, uh, someone who went out and fought battles, who performed raids, who did all this other stuff, and now has to stay at home and take care of children. Um, you know, that's that's an ongoing conflict. So for me, I, I saw it as a new ship to, to run. You know, my Mrs. Cratchit runs her house efficiently. She tells her children, this is where things go. This is how you perform your duties as an honorable Klingon. And she tries the best she can to influence her husband, Mr. Cratchit, um, Bob Cratchit, to, to make things better for their family. Now those things aren't necessarily within his control. He has to obviously follow his leader's example. Um, but it's, it's, it's finding a place in a patriarchal society to me uh, for someone who may not have subscribed to that from the get-go. Or was not necessarily raised as that from the get-go. That's really interesting to me because, as you said, Mrs. Cratchit is never really given much of a backstory. Like you don't, you don't know if she's like, you know, in, in the original text. It's not like meet Mrs. Cratchit. She she's a fan. She's a fan of literature yeah. and, and went to Paris once. She's yeah. very very nuanced. Exactly. No, it's just yeah. like it's like yeah. this is the woman that Bob comes home to who is worried. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so. 
And that's really a flaw for like all the characters. I mean, obviously Scrooge is the main character who's having the journey, but um, you know, there are all these other characters that have these, their own stories, their own personalities around Scrooge that would influence him a little bit if he were to see them. And so, you know, when Scrooge comes in to see our Cratchit's family and sees how efficiently things are run and why there's such this concern for young tiny Tim, um, you know, that, that changes things obviously a little yeah. bit. And, um, I, would, I just kind of want to just give a little brag about ourselves is because like that's what I really love about our show is because everybody has been thinking of their characters that way of like this isn't just Scooge's show this is this is everybody has their own backstory and, and they have their own lives mm-hmm. and every time we go and visit them you get to see that mm-hmm. like I discover something new every time i mean every time we rehearse and i see them working on it they're like you know just because i'm here doesn't mean i don't have a backstory like mm-hmm. that's that's what i find wonderful working with these people they they have all worked this out they're like no i i've got a backstory and this is me this is me right. well, and that's awesome and i will say as far as as women are concerned in the show we have some very strong female characters mm-hmm. um you know we have mrs cratchit obviously we have Scrooge's young love interest. Um, and then we also have um, Scrooge's nephews. I'm going to call her wife, but I don't know that they're necessarily like. Married. I know in the yeah. original like, text they're married, they are. right? Yeah. It's, you know, there's there's Fred's wife or Fred's, you know. Fred's yeah. woman, Fred's, Fred's whoever. Fred's yeah. Woman friend. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she, because she's obviously, there's a, there's a few fight scenes that happen throughout the show, and she and Fred are very well-matched um, as far as combat styles go. And, and the reason I hesitate to use the word wife is because of what I just said. Like, when, yeah. they're, when they're mated, they don't go out and fight anymore. But she's obviously somebody who still engages in the fights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas Mrs. Cratchit doesn't oh, that's yeah. anymore. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, like, th- there are very strong women characters who have things to say about their roles in a society. Because Fred's person... Fred's partner, yeah. we'll say partner, partner. Um, also has her opinions about Scrooge and about, um, you know, the things that he does as a person. And Mrs. Cratchit has her opinions about how Scrooge does things. Um, and and those are reflective, I think, of, of how... It, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a kind of weird where uh, in, in these roles that are kind of envisioned, I mean, as everybody is kind of two-dimensional, you know, Dickensian, uh, <laughs> you know, minor character if you're not Scrooge. Um, but and so these women are like good matches for these male characters a lot um, and but because we're in this clan culture where uh, you know this warrior culture this strength culture this honest culture this you know we're never gonna be use subtext we're never gonna hold back anything so what's uh, what's attractive to these these male characters in a partner is somebody who is strong and is capable and is you know says what they think and thinks bold thoughts and you know might even be more physically strong and you know a better warrior than you which is like weird weird patriarchal like backdoor feminism it's it's really fascinating to to see that take shape yeah Um, and i do certainly think that that all of the uh at least the named women characters in the show we have a lot of uh 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 female identified actors um but the named female the prominent named female characters are the scariest most powerful people in the show and every and the script reflects that and our, our actors reflect that and uh, it's uh, really really beautiful to see really cool. so I have I have a character question for you too mm-hmm. um, I'm going to ask oh my god I'm, I'm so tired your first name Tony, no, Tony I'm so sorry <laughs> that's all good I knew it, I thought it was Tony then I was <laughs> like what if it's like Tom uh, <laughs> <laughs> we okay. met an hour ago how dare you <laughs> um, so I'm wondering if Scrooge has ever killed someone, do you think that no. your Scrooge has ever killed someone? Absolutely not. Really? No, yeah. No, I, I uh, Scrooge ha- has completely avoided any kind of physical uh, altercations uh, his entire life. He's, he's never, never wielded a weapon. He's never done oh, wow. anything. Um, because they have what they call the Rite of Ascension, where they have to go through and pretty much get shocked by these, what they call pain sticks. And basically it, cattle prods. Yeah, yeah cattle prods. Yeah. And so like they line up. I mean, I, I can't even remember how many there's like eight or ten uh, people I in a line. T- yeah. It's a, it's a big, big, it's a big, big line. number. It's yeah. a big line, like five on each side, and you have to walk through 
and at each side they poke you with these cattle prods and you have to get to the other end without giving up or mm. dying and that that's your right of ascension then you become a warrior and then you get to fight um that's the your way of proving yourself that's your sign of maturity that's your sign of maturity yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah and so i in the text it, it, what they say it hasn't been proven <laughs> that <laughs> scrooge fudged with the pain stick so they didn't work so i kind of slid through and on a technicality got my right of ascension but since then i i haven't fought i've never wielded a weapon i've never been in battle and i just i, I i'm running my business uh with marlet and that's it i will never fight hmm. wow yeah. wow and then my question for you andrea is what do you think that Mrs. Cratchit's preferred method of killing was? <laughs> oh, that stare is pretty powerful. I was going to say. That's <laughs> I, can stare. I can kill a man with my stare. Um, I think she preferred the kudluch. Yeah. The, the yeah. set of knives that they yeah. have. Um, more up close and personal, you can see someone die. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I mean, Batleth is great. Um, the we have a giant, giant axe that one of our <laughs> other uh, actors uses in his scenes. I mean, it's a huge battle axe. But I'm pretty sure Mrs. Cratchit would have used the kudluch. The that set of knives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I like that. Damn. She's vicious, man. You oh, don't want to cross her. No, no, she's one of the scariest. Uh, I, that I have to face in the entire show. She's she's by far the scariest. Oh my god! <laughs> Love you, Tony. Love you. <laughs> um, one of the other things that's really things that's really interesting to me is um, for an audience. I feel like there are two kind of things that could pull you to this show. One being like, oh, I want to see a Christmas story, and the <laughs> other being, oh, I'm really into Star Trek. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious for y'all, um, is there an audience member that you think, I'm trying to think of the right way to answer, the, qu the way I want to ask this question, and then you can clarify it to a way that actually makes more sense, but the way that I want to ask this question is, who do you think is getting more out of this show? Who? That's um, a good question. Uh, I, I like this show. I've loved this show before, and I've loved how the audience has reacted to the show because uh, that's a tough, tough question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this is not a show for Star Trek nerds and mm -hmm. then other pe and then Star Trek nerds, you know, friends. <laughs> that, that was one of the things that um, Jeremy Cowan, our our um, language expert, our coach, basically was telling us is that uh, when it comes to Klingon itself, you you sometimes have people that don't cross over. You have people that are really interested in the linguistics of it, but have no interest at all in Star Trek. Yeah. And then you have people from the Trekkie fandom come in and they're done up in their garb and they've got the ridges and they come into these language expert or these language sessions. And they're like, ah, screw this. I just want to watch Star Trek and talk about, you know, Klingon culture. So like for me, when I first saw the show, I was like, Oh, Star Trek, it's gonna be great. And then I saw the show and, and then as someone who's been involved in languages for so long, I was like, this is incredible. This is a fascinating thing. So getting something out of it, you may go in thinking that you're going to get something and you come out with a completely different appreciation mm -hmm. for something else. And I think that's really the beauty of the show. And and it's and it is a Christmas it, it, it's a Christmas carol. And yeah. I mean the 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 tones and yeah. the themes and you know some of the the intricacies of the culture what this means and that means da 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 but like the points the beats are the same there's there's a fezziwig there's a bell there's yes. a sister there's a fan there's you know there's uh, there's a marley scene like the beats are all exactly the same if you've ever seen a christmas carol you'll be able to follow and pick it up oh, so yeah. i think a lot of the people who a lot of the like the uh, the significant others and friends who are dragged to see this show uh, go oh no i i got everything that we're saying yeah uh, and then but like I think this is all right. If I'm gonna get a little uh, uh, saccharine and emotional about this, um, please do. Uh, uh, when I when I the, I I tell the people the the actors especially that this is not a joke show, and I tell other people this is not a joke show. This is some this is a group of people who committed a lot of time and energy 
to do a story in a different language. Uh, and like linguistic nerds aside, like everybody commits so hard to this kind of uh, ostensibly silly idea. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, and the, 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 it's not full TV movie, you know, props and makeup and you know, this isn't, we're not, we don't have millions of dollars of budget and nobody actually gets beamed in anywhere. Um, That's next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, we're working on the But like the amount of commitment that, that this cast has and the amount of commitment that, that, you know, and, and especially in the the amount of commitment that that like oh we're in the show and there is a guy in full makeup sitting in the audience next to you and they are there for it and and you can make this choice of like I want to be shut off I don't want to believe this I don't want to care about this show because it seems weird or you can make the choice of just just bring it on let me let me feel this uh, let me, let take, me experience it, this it takes an open-minded audience member. Uh, yes. For sure, but I mean, but it, at the same time, uh, we were we were just talking about our our youths, Maureen and I, about doing <laughs> a company a show about thirty five year old people getting divorces, and we did it when we were sixteen in a giant warehouse, um, and like really, we shouldn't have been doing that no. <laughs> <laughs> on a lot of levels, but like it's a it's. We fucking sold it. Yeah. Yeah. People loved it. People were there and people were open minded and and all the uh, all the uh, uh, the uh, actors were like, "No, I'm we're going to try as hard as we can to tell this story." And uh, uh, and I think that's that's sort of the beauty of theater is watching people try really hard and watching committed people try really hard and and uh, uh, and that's a that's a big that's a Klingon Christmas Carol thing. I think it always has been. That's an edge theater thing. Um, lots of the shows that Edge does involve uh, monsters and, and vampires and lightsabers and Klingons and stuff like that. And it's it's not for, uh, I guess, people who... It's for people who want to sit there and, and have an open heart and have an open... See a show. Let's see what happens. Let's see where this goes, kind of. And uh, I think you'll get out of it. Something out of this. I, I have to admit, that was one of the best things last year. Uh, so, you know, being able to look out into the audience and see just a, a room full of people, you know, audience members, and then just right down in front, two literal Klingons <laughs> sitting front and center and just... Full ridges. Just full, full ridges, makeup, full, you know, full the whole uniform, everything, full makeup. And... And then everybody just enjoying themselves so much, mm -hmm. and just—I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it was—it was just one of those things that, like, it brought a lot of people together because, like, you knew ninety percent of those people did not speak Klingon, had no idea mm -hmm. what one word meant, but they were there and they enjoyed it and they were with us a hundred percent. And then you got the Klingons there that were with us 200% because they knew the language. And, but that was also a scary thing because they knew the language. So we screwed up. They knew. Yeah. Have you gotten like language heckled by any like language speakers? Not heckled. heckled. Not heckled. Yeah. They, they've all been very supportive. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're great. The, the guy that developed the language, uh, Dr. Mark Okrand, um, who, fun fact, also developed uh, the Atlantean language for Disney's Atlantis. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, just so y'all know. Um, he's just, he's really just psyched that anybody likes the language in general. Like, he's one of the most down-to-earth, low-key people you will ever meet. And we did meet him because yes. he came to the last show yeah. last year. Mm -hmm. um, and he's just really thrilled. Like, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was a complete sobbing mess when I met him last year. I was like, thank you so much for developing this language and this culture. He's like, oh, I mean, it's, it's fine. I, I just learned the language. It wasn't anything big. I'm like, no, but you like sit in motion. <laughs> I mean, I made like a complete ass of myself. But like, he's just so happy that people are interested in the language. And really, that's reflective in most of the Klingon language speakers. They're just happy that there's somebody that's interested. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously there's, just like in opera, there's some snobbery about, oh, well, you, you said this wrong. But, but the people that are interested in teaching and the people that are interested in learning will always find a receptive environment. Mm -hmm. um, even, even Jeremy, Dr. Cowan, um, yeah. who's been our language coach, Shout he, out to Jeremy. He's a Jer god. Oh my god, he's, we love you, Jeremy, wonderful. so oh much. Um, you know, he'll be tough with you, but really not any worse than any serious language instructor would be. Yeah. Because this language 
is important and it is an actual language that is spoken by people. Wow. Um, so really when we when we screw up, we're corrected in a way that doesn't make us feel like idiots. Um, and it's received by people who know that this is not this is not our life. Klingon is not our life. We yeah. do it because we're actors. Yeah. Um, but really they're just happy to see it up on the stage and see it done well. And I think that we do do it well. We do speak Klingon very well, yeah. even if we don't really understand what it is that we're saying yeah. all the time, just like in opera. Right. Um, we, we understand Julia. what we're saying to a degree that we can portray it accurately, and they really appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like she said, when, when uh, uh, Jeremy corrects us, you know, it's, it's, it's not in a condescending way at all. Like, he's just like, oh yeah, you know, instead of, it should have been So it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. Kind so it's just like, like, like yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um, but, Just like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would like to say, because like going, uh, uh, going back for a second, uh, saying about uh, being heckled, like, like I said, we've, we, we've never been heckled uh, by, you know, Klingon speakers or anything by that, but we've, like they they're so so supportive like i gotta tell the story because it was one of the most moving times of my life really literally um <laughs> in, in our final performance last year we had it was filled with klingon we sold out to the klingon speaking uh institute they, there, they, there may they, have been like two people there that didn't speak any klingon maybe two like, maybe two. the rest of them were people that like, were involved with the language yeah or the founder yeah, of the language, the founder of yeah. The language. uh yeah Jeremy everybody Drug. found out that mark okrund was coming to see the show and what day he was yeah. and all the all the nerds showed up because he's a recluse i mean not a recluse but he's <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. somebody that doesn't self-promote a, a friend yeah. of mine told me later he's like he never comes to any of the star trek cons he never stops to sign autographs he never does any of this stuff it's uh, like it's a it's like seeing a unicorn if you see Mark Oakland <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in person. Oh my and God. he was there. And he so we there. had people from Canada come down and see the show. Mm -hmm. We had people yeah. from the West Coast, East Coast. Um, I'm sure if the guys from Germany could have made it, they would have done it they too. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so they, they, I mean, it was completely, like I said, maybe two people were Klingons in, yeah. in the audience the final night. And yeah. it, it, so we, you know, we, that was our big thing. We're like, we have to be hundred percent this night, no matter what, if we drop anything any other night, it has to be tonight. So we got through the first act and we were in, in intermission and we were all backstage and we were just kind of talking and just like preparing ourselves for the second act. And all of a sudden we just kind of heard some talking and it's like Klingon, you know, we're like, oh man, they're speaking in Klingon to each other. They're just, you know, talking and it's great. Telling jokes, having yeah, a Yeah, telling jokes, having a good time. And cause like normally you hear people talking, you know, but like this time it wasn't English. We're like, oh, it's all in Klingon. Oh my God. That's amazing. And then so like, you know, like another minute goes by, then all of a sudden we're just kind of like, wow, that's not our pre-show music. That's not ours. And then all of a sudden, like we stopped and we all just stopped and listened. They started singing in Klingon mm -hmm. <laughs> and had this great like ballad, you and, like, know, three-part harmony, three-part harmony. Are you kidding me? Mm -mm. We, and, and we all just stopped. We just looked at each other, just tears flowing. <laughs> we were all bawling so hard because it was beautiful. And it was kind of like an homage, like it was there. We, we got their permission as um, oh like you guys are, you, you can do this. You're doing a good job. We lost it. Oh, wow. yeah, I know. It, it still makes me. Like, <laughs> I know. I can't. I'm getting choked up just talking about it because it was one of the most. I mean, it's the most moving thing oh that I've, I've ever experienced. And I, it turned out they were singing like the Klingon Imperial Anthem. I yes. Think yes, was. Yeah. Yes, so that was uh, even more of a stamp of approval. Like, yeah. We yeah. are singing this, Man. and you yeah. are here to listen to it. Yeah. And, you know it. Maybe we're reading too much into it because we're emotional. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe but, it's like, hey man, you're here, let's do this. We yeah. have lyrics, it's fine. But that's but what we took Soprano, alto, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. there we go. But, but so, as performers, we were all just back yeah. there like, oh my God, this like, is Like, wow, that was, that was the crowning oh moment. Oh my God, that's so like, cool. Yeah. Was, oh, so if you're one of those people or like, want to be a fly on that wall. You made us cry, thanks. We loved it. Cool. Oh, man. Awesome. Well, we have a few minutes left, so the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like an upcoming uh, performance uh, in a foreign language based on uh, Star Trek language. <laughs> Other times, uh, it can be, uh, we love also hearing about um, 
other folks that you want to shout out doing dope work uh, and self-care things like movies, television shows, books, uh, music, stuff like that? Well, I'm a big believer in the uh, Scandinavian concept of hygge. Um, so staying inside, being warm and cozy. Um, the weather today especially was just awful. Oh, yeah. oh, so terrible. We were at Dollop Down Diner when it w started like sleeting and we were like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that. So as far as like self-care shout outs, definitely look into hygge. That's H-Y-G-G-E. Mm -hmm. For those of you that you know don't speak Danish, you God. Get your shit together. Uh, yeah. Um, but it is very uh, healing to take comfort in the cozier aspects of the colder weather. Um, you know, blankets, warm woolly socks, books, candlelight, hot beverages. Um, and take care of yourselves because nobody wants to be sick and we all want to feel comfortable and hibernate. Um, and I highly encourage that you that you do that. It is a Scandinavian way of life and it's the bomb. So that's it. Nice. I would love to plug, uh, so we're, we're doing Play on Christmas Carol, hey, go see that. Um, it's gonna be great. Um, Where but, can people find tickets for that, by the way? Uh, it, they're on, we're on brown paper tickets. Uh, there's more than one Klingon Christmas Carol. Yeah, be sure uh, that you look for the one ooh, for Chicago. Um, they're having their West Coast premiere uh, roughly at about the same time frame. Cool. Um, and also up in Minneapolis, they're doing one. Cool. And maybe some other yeah. ones here and there that I'm forgetting, sorry guys. So, um, but yeah, if you wanna sure go you see those, Chicago. go see those too. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, feel free. Live your but life. Ours is in Chicago. Uh, ours is in Chicago. So go see that. Um, uh, you've heard a little bit about it today. Um, but I also want to give a, a special shout out to uh, um, the Edge Theater company that we're producing it with um, because of what their work beyond the sort of like lightsaber, you know, fun things that we do with the adult actors. Uh, one of the biggest projects that they do is the Constellation Projects, uh, which works with uh, uh, communities um, that are uh, um, underserved. Uh, specifically Down syndrome communities, autistic mm -hmm. communities, and stuff like that. Uh, and they do like fully produced musicals. Fantastic um, musicals. It's really, Amazing. really fun to, to watch, uh, you know, it's, it's 60 people. The, the idea is that we take these people who have been in so marginalized um, and so like, well, well, let's, this is the Down Syndrome fun room. So you guys hang out there and us normal people hang out over here. You know, that's, it feels so often like that's, that's how this, this is done. Uh, and we just take it. So by the end of the show, you just see a bunch of actors. Um, they did a fantastic Lion King. Oh, the um, Lion King was, was really it last cool. spring? Yeah. I think it was? Yeah. Uh, oh, it was incredible. But it works, they, uh, Edge works, it's, and, and the, the Edge is a, is a, uh, a breakdown of, uh, 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 it's it's this uh, essentially they're trying to say both to their youth groups and to their their constellation project people. Um, basically, you can. It's a greater esteem development through greater expectations. Um, so it's it, there's a bunch of like teenagers and, and children uh, performing some of these these big scary lightsaber fights um, that are excellent and intricate. There's there's, there's Down syndrome communities people who've never like who are uh, non-verbal, who are singing full lines of Music Man, you know, <laughs> like oh, um, so cool. having solos in a Music Man, and it's it's just really interesting to watch. So if you have an opportunity, check that out. Uh, okay, well, um, I gotta follow that up with something. <laughs> uh, mine's not near as enriching, but I, I'm gonna plug, uh, I, I, I do a podcast with <laughs> another friend. Uh, <laughs> I really feel bad. Oh. <laughs> um, we, we, we are called the ABCD Bags, and um, we uh, do a podcast where, I mean, it's just me and my friend, just we go through the letters of the alphabet and just choose a random thing to talk about that day. And it's crap, but we love it, <laughs> and it's fun to the, do. What was the most recent? Didn't you guys do one just recently where it was like, tell us something about something good that it recently well, happened? Well, yeah, well, our upcoming, we have one coming up, uh, V is for victory, so uh, we encourage you to write in to us and tell us, you know, personal victory, uh, just because there's a lot of crap and shit in the world right, right. now, mm -hmm. so we're trying to be a little uplifting, and so, yeah, we encourage you to write in, tell us a little personal victory story, and we'll share it with uh, everybody on the air, if you would like, uh, but yeah, we... Um, yeah, we're just two guys having fun. I mean, cool. uh, and our episodes are really short. You can binge us. Like, we've done, like, or we're almost done. We've done about, like, 20 letters now. And if you binged us, we're, like, less than eight hours uh, of airtime. Oh, so do so, you circle back to A? Or do, you, or do you think you'll do that? Or? You'll have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs>
We're not sure oh. yet. <laughs> <laughs> you could have uh, thought I would have believed it. So, who knows what's going to happen? We don't. We don't. But that's very much the premise of our entire show. We don't know what's happening. <laughs> like, yeah, we, yeah, so um, it's very fun, lighthearted bullshit. So, just tune in. Uh, ABC D Bags. Um, you can find us on uh, iTunes, uh, Podbean. Uh, we're on Facebook. So, yeah, when you just want to numb your brain for a good 15, 20 minutes in a day, check us out. Cool. cool. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we are up to, there are so many ways that you can do that. The first being you can head over to scopymag.com. We post our most recent episode of the podcast there, as well as all of our articles. We have a lot of articles that have been coming out recently, so that's mm-hmm. super exciting. Um, yeah, otherwise, you can keep up with us on all the social media places. On Facebook, that's under Scopy Magazine. On Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Play, iTunes Podcasts, and I missed one. Radio, Radio Public. Public. Um, we're under Scopy Mag, and we spell that S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we've been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity. So first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we could use a little bit more help. If you're in a position to give, you can head to our website, scopymag.com, and head to our About section. There are a couple ways that you can give. You can give on a one-time basis. If you choose to do that, you will have our eternal gratitude. If you choose to give on a monthly level, some cool things will happen. First of all, our next two donors at any level will receive a free bag of half-wit coffee. At $10 a month, you'll receive one free session per month of studio photography with Daniel in our space. And at $25 a month or above, you'll be a part of our affiliate program. We believe that such generosity during this time deserves recognition, so our affiliates will be listed on our website with a link to their website or social media as a means of advertisement and will we'll receive a Scopy affiliate window sticker. So, give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. 